1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But like you can't go to Florida
2: and get those kids. You can't go to the majority of Texas and get those kids. You damn sure can't go to the West Coast to get those kids. So who are you, you, the Midwest? I mean, now Ohio State is going to get those kids. So it's like you're regionally at a huge disadvantage because nobody wants to live In Nebraska, quite frankly, it's Nebraska. It is what it is. So I think that's hurting them. Um, And you know, I think you should
3: still be better than Georgia Southern.
2: Oh well, yeah, no doubt about that. What are we talking about? Yeah, but we're not talking about Northwestern
3: sucks. Yeah, we're not. They lost to them. Yeah, we're not talking about like this was a coaching issue. I'm
2: just. I mean, in terms
3: of being that. Again, Yo, you're saying yes in terms of the yeah, pride, no, they, oh, oh there are power. Let me make sure that yes, they should it, still. They're yeah, tops yeah. on my that's, list. That's why that's why Scott that's Brock got fired. And, yes, yeah, that's gone and probably will never be gotten back to that yeah, level. Yeah, I, I got you. I'm that's
2: the you. prism yeah. of the conversation, yeah. right? Like, can you get you know? Because they used to, and they were national champs.
3: <laughs> yeah, can, I, yeah, I got stuck on what you're saying about the recruiting. Like, if you you know, it'll never be this. They can recruit at a high enough level they should be better than this. Oh, no period. doubt. But you were right in terms of getting back yeah, to I mean, what that, they were. That's how I'm People looking at look it. People don't look at it the same way. I'm, yeah, I mean, that, I mean
2: I the, Nebraska boosters and fans, like, they expect to they, – they they don't look at it like, oh, we should just be able to beat Georgia Southern and finish in the, in the middle of the Big Ten. You know, they feel like they should win championships. And my point is I don't think they can do that anymore. I don't think they can compete. at the. They'll, they'll throw resources at it and they'll build big buildings and all that. I get it. And they'll get players, too. You know, but, like, who's, like, the who's like the last pro that came out of Nebraska that's doing something right now in the league?
3: I have none. Right? Some linemen, are, yes. All I right. can't give you the name. Like, if you're a no, skilled, I, if I, Your point's understood. If you're a skilled position dude – The old skilled guys that used to come out of there.
2: Yeah, like, I think it was a pretty big de- deal that they got the quarterback because he could have probably gone to a lot of places. You know what I'm saying? He did it just because he believed in Scott Frost, clearly. Maybe he recruited him out of high school or something. I don't know. But I just feel like you look across the league, like – would you would you want to play you know and a, like any any top 25 team right now is going to have the advantage like florida florida state get the like cuz it's just like the the setting bro like you get to live at a, at a and i'm sure there's redeeming qualities about you know the the state and all that but if you're an 18 year old kid like you want to you know you want to be at a at a popping ass place if you have your choice of things um and i think i think the recruiting dime ha- sort of being changed on them I think that's a, that's another explainer as to why they are where they are. I don't know if they can get back. I don't even know, like, Brown was asking her in the break, who should they hire? I have no idea who they should hire. Like, who can Nebraska get? I mean, somebody in the AAC, I guess? Is that who you're looking at? If
3: you were an AAC team that needed to coach, would you hire Scott Frost?
2: Yeah. Not even a doubt about it. Uh, so he was we- awesome at UCF. I mean, he, now will he want it? Well, I'm sure he will I got because he's not, you know – but I I don't know how oh, there's soon. There's more
3: left in that tank. You'll get you know you'll get another shot here. But yeah like years, I years like so.
2: I would hire uh, if I was an AAC team I'd hire Justin That's Fuente. I, I would it. hire Scott Frost. I would hire Matt Rule. I would hire Jeff Collins. If you have success in the AAC, just because you fail at the Power Five level, that doesn't mean you you're still not a good coach. It just means like you're not you you you're not you weren't ready for the for the step right in that particular moment. But I think all of the all of those coaches would come back to the AEC, especially the new one, bro, and still get like they'd still be damn good, and they'd get probably they'd get other chances, you know. Scott Frost is young enough to where he could, you know. I don't I don't know who the AEC team might be, you know, but whatever job happened to come open, you know, um, I, I think he would be a very good candidate for one of those jobs. I, I just sometimes sometimes you step into situations, man, that put, like are just not doomed, but you're, the odds are kind of stacked against you, right? Like I get why Nebraska hired Scott Frost, and I get why he did it, but didn't he like labor over it? Didn't he like languish over the decision? Wasn't that sort of the reporting back then? I feel like he was like—I mean, it, just because he thought he had a
3: good team at UCF, still, you don't want to be on what twelve and zero, all that. You want you want to keep yeah. the thing going, but that was yeah. a no-brainer. He no, was always right. going to go to Nebraska. He was going to go home. You're right. That's what he was working for,
2: but like UCF's a Power Five team now, right? I mean. I'm not saying. He, I'm not saying it's easy to look back now and say he made a mistake. It wasn't. A, it clearly was not a mistake at the time, but it. But, not a uh, mistake at all. But, but as it comes out in the wash, it was Penny going back to Memphis when given the opportunity. Oh, exactly. That's what you they hoped it would it. be. Yeah what they you know, were, were, were praying it would be.
3: Except in this case, the guy had experience, and you'd yeah. seen him turn a program literally around. UCF was trash yep. when he took over, and yep. it's it's obviously the reason he'll get another chance. I don't, I don't feel sorry for Scott Frost at all.
2: No, he's getting paid, too. So. He'll get paid, he's going to get another opportunity. He will. There's no doubt. All right, we will come back, do some respect burgers, and then Jason Fitz will join us at 125. Stick around. Jason and John, turn town FM, ESPN. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon
0: when a thought hits you. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/recommend today.
3: Yeah, now, one. it's time for the Jason and John show, Respect Burgers.
1: Find out
3: what it means to me. Sizzlin' Respect Burgers, served hot and fresh from Jason and John. Burger number one goes to Seth Hennigan. Yes, that's Seth Hennigan. Yes, I've told you that, look, Memphis did what it needed to do. We're not going to get overly celebratory for a win over Navy, but I think you can celebrate the performance of Seth Hennigan. Uh, We mentioned it. Third career 400-yard passing game. He goes 24 of 34 for 415 yards, two touchdowns on Saturday, and Memphis's 37-13 win over Navy. Again, a win that at 0-1 was still much needed because the alternative guys at 0-2, uh, again, you want as many people out there this week for your home opener against Arkansas State as you can get, and you would have had fewer uh, with a loss to Navy. His 70.6 completion percentage on the game was a career best for Seth Hennigan. We're talking 13 games career now for Seth Hennigan, who started as a true freshman last year, we all know. So 13 games, three of them 400-plus yards. you got to like that. The other part I liked about it, I mentioned it in the first hour. Seth spread it out, hit eight different receivers, and I said the thing I liked particularly was the fact that he got Javon Ivory involved after getting just two targets against Mississippi State. Javon Ivory was involved. Everyone was involved. It felt like that's a good thing. If The quarterback's got to know, look, if i got a weapon – like Ivory, a guy I know I'm going to need all season long, and your coaching staff knows this as well, but it's 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 Hennigan that's got to give him the ball. A good quarterback knows I'm going to get that guy involved this week. It's important to do that. He did that as well. Like we said, this is just 13 games in on Seth Hennigan's career, uh, and for three of them he's thrown for over 400 yards. I think the biggest part to me is I have been very quick with Seth Hennigan to point out the things that he is not. Uh, or at least the things I'm not convinced of, whether that's an NFL quarterback, of uh, whether he's got a big arm, is he? Is he Brady White 2.0? Uh, I'm gonna stop with that. I'm gonna stop putting sort of limitations on Seth and I'm just gonna sit back and watch this guy play ball and see how high the ceiling can go. Again, a part of an effort that outgained the Midshipmen 506 to 314, a much needed win and. Frankly, with without much of a run game here so far this season, they needed every bit of it from Seth Hennigan on Saturday. Congrats to him. All right, second respect, Burger, and they can split it. Brian Dable and Saquon Barkley, respect. the Giants. I'm not going to sit here because John's done enough of that uh, for you Titans fans that are still listening and beat up on you guys for losing that game. You should have won it. Bullock makes a kick he should make. You're winning that game. But, man, you got to tip your cap to Dable, who's obviously coming over first season, trying to establish a whole new regime with the Giants, who basically have been pretty much about dysfunction for the last few years, and that goes all the way up to the front office. Yesterday, I saw Brian Dable, before they get the win, shooing out Daniel Jones for throwing a back shoulder interception to a DB that was sitting there waiting on it. Not a DB that's running and covers guy, a DB that was waiting on it. And it's that kind of accountability, I think that it's going to take for the Giants to get this thing turned around. Being willing to get in the face of a Daniel Jones and say, man, what the hell are you doing? And he did. Um, You know, whether Daniel Jones is the quarterback going forward, that's still to be determined. But but what I am And Again, it's one game, but what it feels completely clear is they got the right guy in terms of shaking things up there with the Giants and setting the new tone. Oh, by the way, he decides to go for two at the end of the game and says, no, no, we're not playing for a tie here. We're playing for win. You know, guys trying to set new tones and uh, new cultures, you know, in a new place, that's what you do. That's the way you can get. Now, again, if you don't make that, it goes the other way. But the thing that, that, that Dable knew, Was I got Saquon Barkley, a motivated Saquon Barkley, who's got 164 rushing yards in this game. By the way, his best game since 2019 with all the injuries he's dealt with. I'm going to go for two, and I'm going to put the ball in his hands. And then did you see the determination of Saquon on the two-point conversion? He should have been stopped. Uh, Orlovsky did a great breakdown of the play yep. because when you're watching it's just a couple seconds. You look out, okay, Saquon got the two-point conversion. What are the Titans going to do now? But there were two guys in position to tackle them. He outruns them, gets to the edge, and then runs over a DB and then gets in the other's face after he runs for the two-point conversion. So Barkley, just because he's been beat up, so much in his NFL career in terms of the injuries and then the criticisms of him in terms of where he was taken for the Giants shining like that, best game since 2019 you get one and then Brian Dable you get the other half. It's not so much that you oh, uh, great, you beat Tennessee it's frankly that this looks like a new Giants organization first game uh, under Brian Dable. Hopefully for my man Jeffrey Wright, it's it's headed that way and this isn't just a, a mirage All right, third respect burger Mike Stoops Respect. Absolutely. Don't you think he deserves it? Very much so. 26-16, he won at the Swamp. Uh, that was a, a Florida team that had knocked off Utah in their first game, and everybody was obviously feeling good about the Billy Napier era down at Florida. Uh, Kentucky comes in this game and just, just does what it's been doing, and that's frankly being the second-best team in the SEC East for the last – Couple of years, I think you, you know what they did uh, defensively with Anthony Richardson. That was impressive. We talked about that earlier. For all the, uh, for all the stock, it felt like Anthony Richardson. For the, as much as it went up, maybe it came down a little bit uh, at home again against a Kentucky defense that beat him up pretty good. Richardson uh, turns the ball over a couple of times. Did not look good at all. Uh, a fantastic game plan from Stoops. And again, until further notice. And we'll see if the Tennessee Vols can have anything to say about this. Until further notice, Kentucky is still the second-best team in the East. And here's the other part about it. In winning that game, he passes Bear Bryant. Yes, Bear Bryant is the winningest coach in Kentucky football history now with 61 victories, Uh, so much so that uh, he was even congratulated afterwards. So impressive was that that he was congratulated afterwards by a Kentucky football hater. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is John Calipari who had tweeted, reminded folks that he was a basketball school, needs a new practice facility. Remember, it had Stoops retweeting the fans that were saying, hey, do, hey, we got a pretty good football coach. Uh, Cal was able to come down off of his high horse and tweet, congratulations to UK football on a big-time road win last night. And how about Coach Stoops becoming the all-time winningest UK coach on the road at Florida? Wow. So there's Cal trying to make it right again, play nice with his football coach. And then, listen, I – I don't know how much tennis you're watching these days. I was watching even after Serena bowed out of the U.S. Open because my man, Tiafo. Uh, American was the first American in years to reach the semifinal. Problem was he had to go against uh, Carlos Alcaraz. Oh, the other thing, Tiafa was the first Black man, American man, to advance to the U.S. Open semifinal since Arthur Ashe. So you're talking about having to go back to the '70s. That was history we were seeing earlier in the weekend. I believe that was on Friday night. Unfortunately, he runs he runs up against a buzzsaw in this 19-year-old Carlos Alcaraz, and that is who the respect burger is for because he's named, he's etched his name into the history books. He beat, after taking care of my man Tiapo in the final yesterday, he beat Casper Rude 6'4", 2-6, 7-6, 6-3. Here's it. To become the second youngest champion in U.S. Open history and the youngest man to achieve the number one world ranking. So, again... Uh, in a sport that's desperate for stars, uh, Carlos Alcaraz at 19 years old looks like he's a future star. And again, I, I, I'd still give my man Tiafo, who I believe was was seeded 22nd in this, he was going up against the three seed Alcarez in the semifinals. I'd still give him a burger slider too as well, because I've been I've been dying for a while to have another American champion that we could all sort of get behind. And I think uh, I think Tiafo showed well. He still got plenty of things to learn in terms of the poise, not folding up when things get tough. But I thought he showed well obviously in this US Open where man we just had all kinds of respect burgers coming out the US Open. Serena Williams got one yeah. as well uh last week from us. So there's my respect burgers going around the around the room.
2: Well, I'm not going to enjoy what I'm about to do cuz I like the guy. I do. I like him. But uh, but he's got to wear this one. He's got to he's got to take the disrespect glizzy this day on on this particular day. It's and Scott Frost. It's not Scott Frost. His disrespect dog is that pink slip. Right, you're already,
3: you're right. Already taken care of.
2: This one's going to have to go out to. Again, I'm not going to enjoy this, Marcus Freeman.
3: This does hurt. He is. But I understand.
2: He is the first coach in the history of Notre Dame. There have been 24 different head coaches over their 116-year history. Never once. As a Notre Dame football coach began his career, o and three, and we're we're putting the Fiesta Bowl loss on him. Oh gosh! I mean, he had Ian Book, bro. This, you know, you you got to win that one against Oklahoma State. They blew it. They blew it against Oklahoma State uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, you know, look, they competed against Ohio State, so that was respectable. Losing at home to Marshall is not. You can't do that, man. You're Notre Dame. You're number eight in the country. Yeah. And I know Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State. I get that. I understand that.
3: And Pete Pranica's coming because he says this is going to be the first win of the Marcus Freeman era. So do you know he was in the building? Yeah. Um, and what do they do, John? They uh, they let down Pete Pranica. You know, it's just. Not to mention the rest of the goal of the Notre Dame nation.
2: Uh, upset <laughs> losses happened, man. They do. We saw a lot of them, right? Wisconsin lost to uh, Washington State. Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State. Clearly, though, you know the the problem that I had with 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 Notre Dame is that Marcus Freeman is sort of this defensive coach, right? Like that's kind of where he made his bones, and like Marshall was like moving the ball, bro. Like Marshall was getting what they wanted offensively for the most part, and I know like their quarterback play is dreadful. That that does not help the cause for Notre Dame, but it just to me it calls into question like is this gonna work? Is it gonna work for Mark? like? You, their whispers are already starting, right? You're 0 2 in the season, yeah, you're 0 3 overall, you know.
3: Well, you're trying to renegotiate television contracts and everything else, I
2: exactly. Mean, that's, that's the the you know, the, you the, new, to keep
3: the value as high as possible. You knew that though, when the new it.
2: broadcast team stinks, you know. I, I thought I was listening to uh Chris Collinsworth for a minute, I was like, that's Chris Collinsworth on this, but it's his son, yeah, it's just son. like it was Jack. Yeah, we Jack. Had him on. I think it was and Jack. then
3: Jason yeah. Garrett was like him. They have very little chemistry. He sounded more like Chris Consworth than Chris Consworth sounded like himself last night. That yes. fool sounded terrible. Did yeah. you hear that? Dude, he had like, COVID? Bro, you should just took the week off.
2: He had 100%.
3: Like this sounds terrible. He had COVID. You're ruining it. Like he really like Sometimes you have to be willing to say, yeah, COVID with no mask on,
2: dude. Mike Tirico just all up in his mouth. bro. Listen Mike would have had something on for a gas mask or something. Well, you don't even have to, like, miss school now if you have COVID. It's right? like, why do you not it's have like, your voice? It's week one, bro. I know. Take the week off. What were you doing in still, Dallas? Still preseason for
3: Collinsworth last night. Like I was, coming, I was like, coming there, rusty. thinking about
2: that. I was like, was he out last night? Like, what was he it's doing? Like,
3: wh- I think, what, what game was he screaming at? Yeah. Because he clearly come in there with no voice. Was he at the Duke Northwestern game? I don't know. I'm assuming some college football game he was at screaming because he had no voice coming in there. And I'm saying for for week one, bro. Well, if I was NBC, you need to come in. That's that's your job. Your yeah. voice needs to be right for week one.
2: If I'm NBC, so just take him off. I would say yeah, like easily you could have taken him off last week. It, it it completely distracted from the game, whole game. The game was terrible. It already right. It was not a good game. Yeah. You know when he does
3: this? Yeah. It it was even worse because it was sickly. Yeah. It was a sickly. Yeah. It was it was
2: bad. It was bad. Yeah, so um I don't know. Uh, maybe he yeah. was at the— uh, Come on, man. Marcus Freeman, it's embarrassing. It's oh, he ugly. Went, he went to Florida. That, so he, Maybe he was at the Florida-Kentucky game in the Swamp.
3: Maybe he had been there. That actually makes some sense.
2: But, I mean, again, though, you step in, right? I could have given a disrespect dog to NBC for not stepping in and, like, you know, uh preventing us from having to hear that. But I feel like, you know, Mark Marcus, I'm rooting for you, but— you
3: got to take this one. I, I'm glad you went here because I do need to give out one more respect burger. To, to John's point about maybe not wanting to give out the disrespect ball, dog, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat on this disrespect burger. But, guys, we I mean, excuse me, on this respect burger, we might have to give it to him. the Sun Belt.
2: Respect. Y- you, you
3: mentioned Marshall beating Notre Dame, App State beating Texas A&M, Georgia Southern taking out Nebraska. Are they the best conference outside the Power Five? That is a banner that we've long held, or at least for the last few years. Yep. About the Sun Belt.
2: How about it, man? It's I mean, there's you know, uh, who, isn't any of those coming to AAC? Mm-hmm. No, right? No, we, we didn't get, get, we
3: didn't we take, got, that. we got we all, we got all, the, we got all
2: the bad ones. We got, we got all the you know Sun Belt Conference USA teams that aren't actually doing anything.
3: Not not the top ones, uh, unless I'm mistaken. But Lord knows we haven't gotten used to what the new look AAC team or memorized all who's coming in. Uh, but a tip of the cap, and again, respect, burger to the, to the Sun Belt. They did some damage, particularly to a couple of top tens in Texas A&M and to Notre
1: Dame. Yeah.
2: All right, uh, we will come back. Jason Fitz is going to join us on the other side. We'll talk to him about the NFL, about college football Scott Frost. With Jason and
1: John, live from the Topps Barbecue Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: Jason Fitz is the host of Spain, and Fitz does it all for ESPN. You can catch him, hosting college football shows, catch him on Instagram, drinking Charles Woodson's whiskey. He joins us every Monday. He joins us now. Fitz, what up, man?
4: Man, just living that dream. Uh, shameless... Plug now for anybody that likes to go out to the ESPN.com, the ESPN.com. You can tell I'm a total professional. Uh, I'm doing some writing for the chalk site, too. So if you're into the uh, gambling thing, doing some writing out there, I'm part of the panel you'll see today and tomorrow i have a Bad Beats article out. So, uh, weekly, weekly.com. Now I'm a writer. Now I'm the joking. guy
2: is writing. Are you kidding me? He does it all. <laughs> you, Jason Fitz is recession-proof. That man says, I'm, yeah. I am going to make <laughs> myself indispensable. It really is. <laughs> like, It's like, amazing. I I, I, I feel Seriously. like you would be like a, a great person to talk to like a University of Memphis journalism class or something because like you didn't start as a writer. You were you were a radio guy, but you're covering your bases here for ESPN. Yeah, well, uh,
4: there's no – It's not by accident. When I first got hired by the band Perry, they only hired me to play fiddle. By the time I left that band, I was playing six instruments and running all the tracks and leading the band. Because the more things you do, the less likely you are to just be, you know, let go someday. That's always been part of my mindset. So the, the the, the grinders may not always win the lottery, but at least we stay in the game.
2: Absolutely love it. All right, we have a lot to get to. We're going to get to NFL because a lot happened in week one. But want to start with college football, and, and notably, the <laughs> it's week two, and we have a major high-profile firing. Scott Frost is out at Nebraska. Why didn't that work?
4: You know, I think, unfortunately, Nebraska is not who Nebraska thinks they are. And, you know, this is a analogy I've used oftentimes. But what happens is, like, how often do we have a buddy that you know? You go into a bar and your buddy's single and they're looking around and your buddy's a solid five and everybody he's looking at at the bar is a solid ten and he thinks that's who he should end up with. And I think what happens is Nebraska looks in the mirror sometimes and they think that they're tens chasing tens and so they had a higher expectations. And if you're Scott Frost instead of coming in and sort of trying to figure out how to build this thing from the ground up, you end up uh, you end up in a situation where you're trying to use the transfer portal and swing for home runs and it just it doesn't work for every program the same way so i'm not sure scott frost is a great coach i don't think he's as bad as nebraska has looked though. and then the other part of it, guys is like in new culture especially with the empowerment of athletes once you lose the locker room i don't know how you win them back and like that's a new a, a new thing that i think coaches are gonna have to figure out like he's obviously lost that locker room they lost belief in him and through that process, you know, now there's no hope in, in keeping these guys around unless they try and sell a new message. So I'm surprised it didn't happen before, and I'm surprised they didn't wait till October 1st when his buyout number changes, but I'm not surprised these has gone.
3: You know, the other side of that story, you know, and, and we here in Memphis have held up the banner for a while here saying, hey, best conference outside the Power Five in college football with the American, but the Sun Belt. You know you, The Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern, you also saw App State take down Texas A&M. Marshall beat Notre Dame. It, 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 has it reached a point this year, Jason, where we're going to have to give it to them in terms of the Sun Belt and what it's accomplished already this year?
4: 100%. Uh, the Sun Belt has put everybody on notice. And now this is where, you know, you all know I don't necessarily love like preseason rankings and everything like mm-hmm. this, but the the power that does come from preseason rankings is I think we've overvalued a couple of teams. And now the Sun Belt's taking advantage of that. And uh, by taking advantage of that, there's an opportunity for them to get street credit. I feel like the committee now is going to be looking at the Sun Belt for the rest of the year. They're going to get yep. baked in benefit of the doubt, and rightfully so, because of what they've done.
2: Talking to Jason Fitz, joins every single Monday here on the show. All right. Um, look, Alabama got the win. And and so, like, the, it's going to show up in the record as a win. But it felt like to me watching that, that – if, if Quinn Ewers had not gotten knocked out of the game, that Alabama was was going to lose. Um, what did you make of that game? Is Alabama fine? Did that expose some glaring weaknesses in that team as it relates to, you know, this is a team that everybody says is going undefeated. Did you see anything in that game specifically, even though it was a win, that maybe kind of gave you some pause?
4: Yeah, a ton, especially defensively. I mean, uh, the fact is, even when they beat Utah State in week one afterwards, Saban said the offensive line didn't play well enough. That turned out to be a, a, an issue in this game also. The offensive line is not good enough for Alabama to consistently design-run the football, which is going to be a concern for them going into SEC season. Also, the defensive backfield was just holding constantly. I mean, we saw a new record for most penalties by a Nick Saban coached the Alabama team Early in the third quarter, they'd already eclipsed the total record. So you think about what that means. I mean, they didn't play disciplined football. They played sloppy football. The defensive backfield looked outmanned the entire way. Like, I, I said, coming into the season that Georgia was being slept on, I'm more confident in that, of that than ever. And the committee is specifically told the factor who's available for games and who's not available for games. In the committee's eyes, I don't think they're gonna view that as a quality win for Alabama. Texas lost that game. Alabama didn't. Georgia's clearly a better team today. I, I I think Bama is in a situation where there are still losses left for them to take on the schedule and they are not in the same class as Georgia.
3: Where are we at, Fitzy, on Jimbo right now? You know, through fifty <laughs> games in his career, he's got one less win than Kevin Sumlin did through fifty games, a career obviously at Texas A and M. Just just what are the thoughts right now? How much heat is on Jimbo Fisher?
4: Yeah, the funny thing is he's not called the head recruiter. He's called the head coach, right? And so when you have amazing recruiting classes every year and you're not winning football games, now you gotta ask the question, you're a great salesman, but are you actually a good coach? And and you know, I think for the amount of money that Jimbo's being paid, there's a, a baked in expectation there of being a national championship contender. They're, they're not a particularly well-coached football team. So you got all these talented kids you're, you're putting on this roster and you're not getting more out of them. Like, you, there's not enough squeeze from the juice. I, I think Jimbo is showing his true colors here that that he's a great, great, great recruiter that's an okay football coach, and that's not good enough for A&M. So wheels, wheels are going to fall off there, too, and we're going to have to start answering some serious questions about these buyouts for college coaches because, Boosters are going to run out of money someday getting these guys paid. Yep.
3: And then, does it look like to you in Knoxville? It certainly does, you know, looking at it this way, as much as we hate to give it to them. Josh heupel has got Tennessee pointed in the right direction. What do, what do you think of where that and where they're going to fall in the SEC East this year, Jason?
4: Yeah, that's a great question because I, I think you're right. heupel has got them pointed in the right direction. I also think that game could have gone off the rails quickly. Uh, and, and kudos to them for settling it down. But my concern is always going to be when you play with the pace of play that they play with. You're leaving your defensive on defensive line on that field Same. that much. I, I, man, I just think when you're playing the best of the best in the in the SEC East, I, I don't know. Like I think that's going to be difficult. I think Kentucky showed us they're a lot tougher than they're getting credit for. Yep. We, I, you know, how I feel about Georgia. I think right now I, I would pocket Tennessee in third in the East um, because I think Kentucky deserves a little bit more respect there. But. Man, I'm not sure how that pace of play is going to work if they're playing against Florida, for example. Yep, we'll see. <clears throat>
2: All right, on to uh, on to the NFL. What um, what was what was top of mind for Jason Fitz in Week One? Was it the Titans' home loss to the Giants? Was it Patrick Mahomes throwing five touchdowns? Uh, was it Dak Prescott's injury? Like, what what's top of mind for for Jason Fitz after the first NFL Sunday? <laughs>
4: Well, first top of mind is I'm trying to figure out why this. there's, like, a random helicopter that's just around. So I'm sorry if that's, that's really fine. noisy The, for takes, you guys. the um, takes on
2: Instagram were too hot, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're
3: coming nah, for so, you.
4: Here's the thing. I thought it was – I walked away from week one really feeling like teams need to play their starters in the preseason. And I know, like, everybody worries about injury, but I just – I don't get it, man, because, like, when you watch the timing for those offenses, it just looked – it looked bad. Like, we watched bad football there were more turnovers in week one by the end of the first games. There was more turnovers than there had ever been for a week one ever. And now think about that. Wow. Like, teams are just like, they're just grossly miss, uh, mishandling the football because they don't look ready to play. So, and I'm not even just talking about, you know, my beloved Raiders. I think you can look up down the board. Like the, the Titans didn't look conditioned to play. And, and, you know how many times did we see teams jump out to big leads and then have to scratch and claw their way back? We watched awful special teams in the Cincinnati Pittsburgh game. Like it's just, it's just bad football because everybody's so worried about injury that you're late, you're leaving your guys off the field till week one, and that means that you're not really getting a sense of who your football team is until week three.
3: You know, you saw the Vikings take down the Packers twenty three seven, sacked Aaron I believe four times, forced two turnovers. Now I will say, as a Bears fan, I've seen this. You know. They went out and looked bad against the Saints last year, and then Green Bay, you know, the roll up their sleeves went to work. No Devontae, though. You guys have got him with the Raiders now. Is this is this step-back season for Green Bay? Are we waiting until a couple of more games? What do you think of where Green Bay is?
4: Well, I think this is more of a statement of where Minnesota is. Like, Minnesota. I picked the Vikings to win the division, and Sarah told me I was crazy, but like I think Mike Zimmer, that coaching staff, is just not done a good enough job, and so now you get different coaches in that have a different voice, and what do we see? We see you know, there's too many playmakers. I know we're not playing Madden, but there's too much talent on that Vikings team for them not to at least be good. And so I I, I sat there and watched that and thought, man, you've got a real talent divide between the, where the Vikings are and the Packers are. To me, they just they're asking at some point they're asking uh, Aaron Rodgers to be Superman, and, and I just I don't I don't think that's human. Like uh, at some point, these guys need people to throw to, and he's got nobody, and, and the Vikings do so. I thought the better football team for the season won that game. Understood. And by the end of the year, the Packers are going to be a playoff caliber team. They're a wild card, but they're nowhere near where the Vikings are.
2: Specifically uh, on the Titans, we got their first look. We got the first look at them. No A.J. Brown. Um, and, and they end up losing at home. Derrick Henry has 82 yards. Um, is this. Is this a foreboding of things to come that it's going to be a struggle for the for the Titans like this all year long or are they going to pull off the most tight things the Titans thing ever and beat Buffalo next week?
4: no I, I think this is an absolute indication of what the Titans are and this is why you know to me the loss of AJ Brown was the most significant uh, I, I think the most significant free agent or trade of the entire offseason was AJ Brown becoming an eagle and AJ Brown not being a Titan. And I just, I will stand by this uh, until I am blue in the face that you've made Derrick Henry's job more difficult, which they showed in week one. And you just don't, you don't have that guy. You don't have that, that game wrecker. And, you know, I got into this argument with Harry Douglas because he was talking about, well, you know, sometimes having a committee of wide receivers. And I said, Harry, I mean, you know as well as I do that when a defensive coordinator sits down, they say, okay, there are guys that you have to account for. And Harry said, they're called game wreckers in meetings. And I said, you just lost the game wrecker for the Titans and now you're telling me that it's just going to be fine with Ryan Tannehill like I'm not buying it offense is going to be hard to come by I think the Titans take a step back and and they showed us that they're they're going to be a clunky caliber you know they might win their division cuz the division isn't good but this isn't going to be a very good Titans team compared to the rest of the AFC
3: Which AFC team you think fitsy and it's it's week 1 but which AFC team you think most threatens a Bills Chiefs AFC title game. I mean, Bills and Chiefs just made statements as far as I was concerned on the road, but if there is an AFC team that's a the most serious threat, which one to you is it?
4: Uh, it's the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, guys, I picked the Chargers to win the West, and nothing I saw yesterday changed my mindset on that. I mean, Justin Herbert is, is, a, is a brilliant quarterback. They have every weapon you could possibly ask for on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. They've got superstars everywhere. Uh, all they've got to do is not get... Uh, th- their coaching staff has to not get in the way. And and they didn't in week one. I mean that was a that was an absolute battle between the Chargers and Raiders. That's two playoff caliber teams, yeah. and the Chargers won. Like I, I take far more from that win than I do for Kansas City blowing out a bad Cardinals team. So like, uh, or an okay Cardinals team, I should say. So I, I think Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going to give the Bills a run for their money by the end of the year for
2: sure. Don't, don't worry, I'm not worried about it. The Raiders are about to win two in a row here. Win it next Sunday, and then we're beating the Titans. I'm not worried about it. You know? I mean I thought there was yeah. I thought there was enough encouraging signs. I mean it's not like the Chargers just blew our doors off, right? I mean they were competitive in the second half. They won the second half. You know, and plus they're they're about to be two and one here, so I'm not gonna freak out about it.
4: Yeah, it's a long season too, guys. I can't I mean as as joking as, as I keep saying that to everybody on Twitter, it's real. Like one week does not a season make, right? And you know, I I'm gonna bank that Derek Carr's not gonna throw three picks every week, so you know, three picks and you still, you barely lost that game on the road. Like, I think there's a lot to take away from it. The Raiders are still going to be a very good football team this year, no doubt. Fitz, always appreciate the Thank time. Thank you man. so much, Fitz. You have you. a great week. Why did we not spend the whole time talking about the Bears crushing the 49ers, by the way? Congrats.
3: Because it said more about Trey Lance not being ready than it did anything about the Bears. <laughs> not going to waste also, your time. The, the, condi-
2: right. the conditions, man, yeah, man. You know, the, you always have to throw Not going to waste out. your time yet. We'll see.
4: Yeah. All right. You boys have a great
2: week. Thanks, yeah. brother. Thanks, Fitz. He is Jason Fitz joins us every single Monday here on the show. Yeah, that was uh that was a, that was It's nice though. It was nice to get that one. I mean you freaking wanna know.
3: You're not gonna catch me coming in here and bragging. Uh one game does not a season make unless you're the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott's out for six to eight. Right? Is that season over? Yes. I think that season's over. You lose your guy like that and it's it can be done.
2: The the the, the hopes weren't all that bright even with Dak. Whew. And the con- the concerns that I had about CD Lamb came to light. I mean, he's not ready to be a number one. It didn't look like it. He's not ready to be a number one, and it's not like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary is just this behemoth, right? I mean, they they got lit up all but, year. But Dax was year. inaccurate too. No, last. he was bad. Like, like you know, looked he looked like was he was bad. worried about his line yep. and having a, yep.
3: And he was not accurate. So yep. so for CD and his defense, there some of them were weren't even on on, on point. But yeah, but the, no, the, you're the, right though. That didn't look like a one. You know. You're you you've got a great connection with your number one.
2: Yeah, the Cowboys' season uh, ended before it started. That is that. No, it's it looks over. I mean, it's Cooper Rush.
3: Or you or do you go out and get somebody?
2: You should go trade. You should trade for Jimmy G. You should trade for Jimmy G. They won't do it, but they should. You know, I mean, they're the Dallas Cowboys. If
3: you're the Niners, do you give up Jimmy G at this point after what you saw? Well, from that that's
2: complicating. One. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good point. You 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 give it like another week or two, and then you kind of like I think re- reassess. You say to yourself, well. Look, it was his, you know, first real start, and the conditions were just brutal, you know, on, on that field. So, and he also did not have George Kittle. So, That's I don't, true. I don't think you could, you could say not ready,
3: not ready to do it now. Yeah,
2: no. but you get, I mean, there, it's, 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 it's being monitored. But it,
3: it gives you more comfort, obviously, yeah. with having him in the, in
2: yeah. the locker room. Uh, all right, so we will come back, Jason and John, ninety-two FM, ESPN, Monday Night Football game tonight. We have Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Go ahead, give it to me. Give me the give me the Russell Wilson. Give it to me, man. The Russell Wilson? You don't know the Russell Wilson, man? It's like it's taking over the world. Everybody does it now. No, what is it? Broncos country. Let's ride. Man, I don't do that mess. Unlimited. You remember that video? He's walking around his living room. He's saying, everything you got to do in life, unlimited.
3: He's not cool. But he is—he's weird, full of the spirit. He is a strange which, which gentleman. which I'm all about.
2: And he's a—he's a good quarterback, I think, for the most part. Though he did take a step back. So we have—we uh, have. This is the new uh, booth, too, right? I believe so. It's Troy Aikman and uh, Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that'll be the debut for them. That'll be good. It certainly can't be worse than yesterday with no. Collinsworth. So
3: I think Collinsworth might
2: be done. So we have, I think, a Super Bowl of sorts. We have the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, this could be a preview. Uh, you have the AFC's representative in the Denver Broncos, and you have the uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, in the, from the NFC as the Super Bowl representative, led by Rashad Penny and that dynamic offense. Um, I will tell you, I will tell you, uh, you're not gonna like this, but I, I have, I have bet the Seahawks in this game. I've bet them in this game, unofficial play, right? But I have bet the Seahawks plus seven, and the reason being. Is because it reminds me a little bit of – remember when Tom Brady went back to New England? Yeah. And it was very emotional, mm-hmm. and it was very low scoring, and, like, you just kept waiting for Tom to just, like, do Bill in. You kept waiting on him to put – couldn't do it. They did not cover that game. They did not cover that game. So I'm, I'm gonna, kind of channeling that again. As bad as Seattle is, I think this is going to kind of be a very emotional return for the QB, and I, I, I don't know how they do it. Seattle teams under Geno Smith find ways to cover. Okay, he's the god of covering. I don't know how. I don't know don't why. Make it
3: ugly and low scoring and cover. That's what you're seeing.
2: I have the over actually as oh, well. Yeah. So I think okay. it's going to be you're a, just a mad it's man. It's going to be like uh, 20. You know, four to. Uh, you know, not. A, it needs to be like 28. To like 24 or something like that that's what I need this to be it's kind of it's kind of wild what is the over on this game is it 42? 44
3: points bro okay so
2: I've got it at 42 right. so uh it can be uh it could be 24 to uh 20 right yeah 24 20. that's what I can that's what it can be It can rest on that they could I mean the Seattle can find 20
3: points right it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself of <laughs> that I'm not going there
2: I mean, he still have D.K. A, this, Metcalf. This is
3: also a solid Denver defense. It There's is. There's a good chance Seattle goes in there and looks oh, like I a, think
2: this is, uh, a very bad team. I think this is an interesting game um, because it's not, not about Seattle. There's nothing interesting about Seattle, right? Nothing. It's more so um, is Denver going to look like this contender that they have been pegged to be, you know? Is Russell wasn't going to step in and be automatically and instantly great, or is he going to – Take some time, um, you know, to develop the rapport with receivers. Um, and, and is it is it is it going to be you know how 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 explosive will it be out of the gates? That's the questions that I have, and that's what I'll be looking for tonight. Uh, Kenneth Walker III, is he is he playing? I don't think I he's don't playing so. this game no, one.
3: No, that you you were saying I was. You, you said nothing interesting about Seattle. He is the one thing. The Arlington uh, product went to Michigan State. Obviously, had a monster year last year. Seattle drafts him. We knew probably not going to start the season. That's Rashad Penny. The thing is, though, Brad's man Penny always gets hurt. And I say Brad's man because Brad's got him in fantasy. The interesting thing might be to see whether local product, Kenneth Walker, takes over at any point this season for Seattle. But I'm with John. I expect nothing out of them. There's not much to watch with this team other than how much longer they're going to go on with Pete Carroll. Right. Uh, on the other side, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that Denver's gone out and found the guy that's just going to catapult them to the top of the AFC West and back – you know, back up top in the top half of the AFC, we'll see about that. I also wonder this, John: Does the defense stay well with Vic, stay as good with Fangio going? Like part of that was Vic Fangio, okay, who you've moved on from now uh, as your head coach. You've got an offensive mind, but does that defense take a little bit of a step back uh, from what it had been? That said, uh, will they still will they threaten to be a playoff team? I think absolutely they'll be right there with you guys, maybe fighting for the third best spot in the AFC West. That's the way I see it because I think the Chiefs and the Chargers showed us. They're the top two teams in the West. It's early, um, but I expect Denver to miss the playoffs and finish fourth in the AFC West.
4: Yeah,
2: <clears throat> I mean, I think I, I think they'll be in the running. Nine and eight ish. What will keep us in it, obviously, uh, are the, uh, the that connection to from from Carr to, to to Devontae. But I was I was I was I was concerned. I was concerned about the the damn <clears throat> picks, you know, because Carr was really good at not doing that last year, right? He was really efficient, you know. We, now that we're throwing the ball, a lot more? I mean, I Waller was fine. Renfro didn't really do much. No. Yeah.
3: Devontae right. sucks up Renfro's looks. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. But Derek's looking to Devontae now and not to his slot guy, at least. We the thing will be, are you going to spread this out a little bit more? Or is Devontae going to own the target shares in the way that he did this weekend? My guess is you're, you are got that to, Waller's too good. You just signed him up. Renfro's too good. That the better formula for you is going to be to spread a little bit around. But um, man, that looked like that. It kind of looked like Rodgers just kind of being all focused in, you know, having the blinders on and just seeing Devontae. It's kind of what it looked like with Carr yesterday. Gonna need to spread it around a little bit more, even though I loved as a Devontae guy, I loved seeing it. I think y'all, you can't just forget about Remfro. Waller's too much of a weapon. Uh, eventually, you all will find more of a balance. I think.
2: Yeah. So uh, I, I the, the other thing I, that I wanted to mention that we didn't really talk about. Why would we? But I thought the Falcons were. Like under Art Smith, scrappy. They were really scrappy. They almost won the game too.
3: I mean, yeah, Cordero Patterson's your running back, so it's kind of like, how serious are you? That said,
2: they're 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 full of pride, bro. I don't know why you just did. I don't know why you just destroyed the good name of Cordero Patterson. He shouldn't just be now. doing.
3: He shouldn't be doing this. He shouldn't be that. It just shows how much they don't even value the running back position. That you just throw him out there because he can. That's my point. Yeah. They got a bunch of scrappers, dude. They got a receiver, a, a rookie receiver in Drake London. Looks like he's going to be, him and Pitts are going to be the guys that Mariota has to look to. Uh, they're the only guys in on up I guess Zacchaeus, if you like him. I like the rookie, Drake London. He's probably He's got a chance to sort of be a, a Jefferson mm-hmm. Chase guy in terms of a guy that you know, rookie year comes out, and he's an absolute stud. He's got the chance to do that.
2: Yeah. Because um, there's nobody else, frankly. And the other thing from that game was uh, Michael Thomas. His first game action in forever, a guy has two touchdowns.
3: Yeah, he, he was coming back, dude. Yeah. Michael Thomas still got it in the tank. Keyshawn he does. been Keyshawn's been two, saying He's that. had two years he's off. He's basically been off and to the point about that Mike made. He still got tread on those
2: tires. Yes. Michael Thomas
3: is still good. Yes. And maybe still elite. We will see.
2: Well, you know, it's the Saints were a very popular pick in the NFC. Did yeah, you, Peter
3: King had them, had them as the number one seed.
2: I don't know. I worry a little bit with the defense, right? I mean, because if Marcus Mariota is doing that, you know, I mean, because that, that's what they that's what they hung. The, I don't think Jameis is good enough to lead them. He every, can.
3: not don't, You don't need to have him do it. You know, that you kind of need to. to back, yeah,
2: you need to lean on your defense there, and I just don't know if uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, week one, small sample size. I just – th- they were moving the ball a lot easier than I thought they would. I thought, I thought it would be a squash match, frankly. Like, I thought, you know, Falcons might backdoor cover, you know, whatever. I just didn't – I didn't expect Atlanta to actually have a chance Here, to win the here's game. Here's my team.
3: question for you before we get up. Do you think the Browns will tread water enough that by the time they get Deshaun back, they're in the hunt for a playoff spot? They beat the Panthers. Obviously, that was the Baker-Mayfield revenge game. Beat them 26-24. Uh, edged them out. What about these Browns? Can they tread water?
2: Yeah, because the defense, the defense, I would say. Between Chubb them. went for
3: 141.
2: Yeah, that's all they got to do. And Kareem Hunt, right? He's gonna be. Yeah,
3: did he have two touchdowns? I think he did. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's gonna be a favorite.
3: He's gonna be See, a favorite. That, that was my point. If the Browns can just tread water, man.
2: Yep. They could be a team out of that, out of that, coming out of the AFC North. I love it though. It's it's back. The NFL is back. That makes me excited. It gives me uh, gives me great happiness. No doubt about it. It's going to do it for us today. Thanks to Jason Fitz for joining us on the show. Thanks to Mike Wall for hopping on the show as well. Gene and Jeffrey are up next. I'm going to be breaking down all the action from college football, from NFL, so don't touch that dot. For Jason, I'm John. John. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.